Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass Podcast. This is Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. Uh, We're branching out again this week. Uh, Joining me on the podcast this week is Daryl Tapp, a two-time first-team All-ACC pick with the Hokies as a defensive lineman who has had an 11-year NFL career with five different teams. Uh, Daryl, thank you very much for joining the podcast. How are you today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Well, it's that time of season uh, in the offseason with the NFL Combine coming up. Uh, You will be going to the NFL Combine as part of an NFLPA externship. Uh, What is an externship? Tell me about what this whole uh, process is. It sounds like it's kind of an interesting deal. So the NFLPA, which is the Players Union, has come up with a a program to get guys exposed to real work environment other than on the football field or inside a football facility. I work with numerous different organizations and companies. Uh, I've been working with the PA exclusively, um, and that's for as current players, former players, and retired. Uh, they had a couple of players working with the United Way and Fanatics uh, down in Florida. They had uh, some working with the, the Sheriff's, Com- Sheriff's County uh, down in Florida. So they're kind of everywhere. Uh, but like I said, it's a way to get guys real-life experience. Uh, you never know when, when football ends, you want to be able to get out into the workforce uh, and, and adapt very quickly. Is this something you'd like to do after football is be involved in the NFLPA and go that route? It's definitely interesting. The, the game of football has been, been awesome to me, uh, providing me so many opportunities to meet new people and get different experiences. And I even met my wife uh, when I first came to Seattle. So it's been great to me. And I, would, I wouldn't mind uh, continuing to, to help the NFL out and the union and the players to make the game better for those coming after me. So what exactly will you be doing at the Combine this week? I've been sitting in a lot of meetings, a uh, competition meeting, following the directors of the uh, the PA, the Player Association, uh, closely, and uh, just seeing what go what, what goes into this whole week. This is one of the biggest uh, dates on the calendar, as far as uh, in in the football world, and helping these young guys understand what they're getting into. That it's not just a game anymore; it's a business, and you have to attack it as so. Now, have you been to the combine since you went to the combine as a player? No, sir. I haven't been in 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a throwback then. What What do you remember from your time at the NFL Combine? What does, I mean, what goes through a player's mind uh, when you're going into, you know, what at that point is the biggest job interview of your life? Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of excitement, uh, anxious energy, uh, because you, you realize as a player that you're, you're just a few steps away from uh, reaching your goal of making it to the NFL. And like you said, this is the biggest job interview um, of their lives, but at the same time, like I said, it's exciting. Like I said, this is a dream that guys have had for, for numerous years, and uh, when you start meeting these, these legendary coaches at each individual team and sitting in on meetings and, and getting team swag to take home, it's, it's exciting, man. So uh, these guys prepared for a long time, coming out of their, their season, uh, going into combine training, and whether it be Florida, Texas, New Jersey, or even at their own school, and it's the culmination of it all before they uh, – get to their individual workouts with teams and then the draft. What is that whole process like? Because I, I know people see the the workouts on TV and they kind of think that's what the combine is all about, but it's really, you know, you're interviewing with teams, you're meeting with coaches and GMs and all sorts of stuff. There's really a lot more to it than just working out on the field, correct? It is. Granted, this is this is your business, but so much more goes into it. Just like what they say with student-athletes, you got to be a student first, uh, then an athlete, 
the same way these teams uh, approach this thing. They want to be able to understand the, the type of player that they're going to invest their time and money into. Uh, so I want to make sure you, you've been a great person. I remember uh, one story when I was coming out, uh, my high, my middle school, not my elementary school principal called my mom. My mom told me, she, like, the Raiders at a point in time had called to check to see what kind of student you were coming up through the ranks. Uh, so they do a lot of a lot of uh, in-depth research on each individual player uh, to find out what they can uncover, <laughs> and uh, that's, that kind of leads to their decision. So, so as far as your your personality, your character, uh, what you display on the field, and then also you do uh, probably like 15 minute interviews with each team, uh, so they kind of get a, a good feel for for what's going on to see that back to the tape and what they see on film. What do they ask you in those 15 minutes? I mean, did you get some really dumb questions in that time, or are they trying to do stuff to throw you off guard? That, yeah, I've, I've gotten some uh, some pretty bad questions, um, but that's only a couple things. For the most part, they just want a general knowledge of who you are. Uh, they hear, Like I said, they've already done their background research uh, at the person you are, talking to teachers and mentors and, and things of that nature. So they just want to – get the information from the, from the horse's mouth, <laughs> how you uh, perceive things to be. And also, in that, during that time, they also test to see what your football knowledge is. Uh, different programs run different schemes. So they want to see how that transfers over, and they can kind of get a good, a good idea of how you learn in different situations. What was the worst question that you got? Was there one that stuck out to Ooh. you? Yeah, I, I never forget this one. I'm not going to say which team, but uh, the, the coordinator uh, decided to speak up, and he, he questioned my uh, – desire to play football because I came from a household where I had both of my parents still there. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, do you sit there just kind of dumbfounded that somebody has the gall to ask that question? I was, but you, you have to be a, a bigger person in that situation and, uh, and answer the, the, the question the best way to put you in a good life. You, you can't really get overly emotional about it, which is, which is, which is hard to do as a young person. Uh, but you got to understand it's for a bigger goal, and they, and they want to see. I mean, it's a it's a way for them, it's a tactic to see how you respond to pressure situations and things that you you may hopefully not uh, get a get approached with. Going there as part of the NFLPA, I mean, is that a message you try to get across to these players? Is like this is kind of what you're going to experience, and you they're going to try to throw you off a little bit to see how you react to stuff. Yeah, you definitely want to when you talk to players, young players. We had a young guy here the other day uh, taking a tour and getting the experience of meeting the people here. Uh, you just, you know, tell them to go in there with a clear mind. Uh, don't don't put too much pressure on yourself. Enjoy the process as as, as hard as that is sometimes. Because <laughs> like you said, it's the biggest job interview of your life. But you know, it's, it's one of those brief moments in time that you remember forever, um, and it leads to a bigger purpose and a bigger goal. It sounds like the workout, the on-field stuff, is almost kind of a relief. I mean, it's sort of at the end of, of the whole process there, in this kind of a, in the normal range of what guys are used to doing. When you get to that portion, is it almost like a, a load off your mind that, oh, I'm just doing football stuff now. I'm used to doing this stuff for people. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of is. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, the combine really isn't necessarily football stuff. It's more general, general fitness kind of things. There's only a few right. drills in the grand scheme of things that you do where you're using bags or, or catching a ball or doing things like that. Uh, most of the stuff just seeing what's your general fitness makeup uh, as far as testing the 40 and change the direction, uh, bench press, vertical jump, uh, broad jump, and some flexibility things here or there. Uh, and even when you get to the football drills, I mean, there's so many guys in each flight that you're probably only going through maybe, maybe four times over four different drills max. So it is, 
they're real nitpicky, but you only have a few opportunities to, to kind of flash uh, to confirm what they saw on film. I didn't look up your exact numbers from the combine and how you performed on stuff. Were you happy when you left? I mean, I know you were a second round pick, so you, you probably did pretty well, but <laughs> were, were, do you, do you ever leave that satisfied with how you did? Or there's always something in your mind thinking, Oh, I could have done this thing better. Like, like all people do, I would imagine. Yeah. Just like all people, you always want to be the absolute best. Uh, but I, I overall was happy with my performance. Um, like I said, it served me well. I was able to become a, a second-round pick of the, the Seattle Seahawks at that point in time, and it, I parlayed that into an 11-year career so far. So I, I'm excited uh, to actually go back and see the see the whole spectacle of the, <laughs> the NFL Combine from the other standpoint. Are you kind of amazed that how much guys can still get wrong or teams can get wrong in the draft? I mean, they they go through this whole arduous process of – uh, working guys out, interviewing them, looking at them all different ways. Are they going to fit for the system? And then you look at the draft, and it still seems like it's 50-50 with any pick, whether a guy is going to work out. You got Antonio Brown, I saw just signed. He was a sixth-round pick, and uh, I think he, right. tw- he tweeted out his scouting report before the NFL draft, and it was just dogging him about everything as him a player. Uh, is, is it kind of amazing how inexact of a science this is, even though it seems like there's so much put into it? Yeah, it's not it's it's not as amazing as it once was. Like I said, I've been in the league and I've seen seen a lot of things over my time, so I, I can I can kind of understand it. But you never know how a player's gonna turn out. Uh, like I said, you see what you see on film, and remember at this point in time you're dealing with kids that are 20, 21, 22, you know, coming out. So you don't know how they're gonna mature in different situations. Each city presents uh, its own set of things that a player has to uh, maneuver through. To, to, to make himself the best player that can possibly be at a given time. So you just kind of never know. You just go into it hoping to pick the best kid uh, coming out of the draft that fits your scheme, fits your needs, fits your your team makeup personality-wise, and then to try to get a, a lot of veterans around it to lead them in the right way. Were you ready for the process of going through the draft? Uh, I mean, did you have somebody to kind of tell you what it was like, or were there parts of it where you were still sort of naive going into it? You look at back now and go, I, I can't believe I went into that <laughs> thinking that it would be this way, and it turned out another way. No, honestly, I was I was prepared. Uh, you know, first starting with my upbringing from mom and dad and my two older brothers, uh, they they taught me how to, to adapt to any situation. My agent, who's still my agent now, uh, Fletcher Smith, he did a great job preparing me because he's been, he'd been in the game for a while. Um, it had a lot of a lot of high profile athletes come through there, and then my my uh, my combine coach and uh, person I worked on interviews with Brett Fisher out in Arizona did the same thing. He'd been in the game for a while and kind of set me up in the right path. So uh, the only thing that would kind of caught me off guard was just how when you you know you, you always have a plan until you get to the heat of the moment. <laughs> right. So when I finally got to the combine and saw all the guys you know that I've been playing with against and heard about. Uh, that on the on the national circuit, you know, and you're seeing all the coaches just sitting in the stands, and like you could hear a pin drop in uh, Lucas Ford, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So it was it was definitely a, a unique experience that I, I'll never forget. But that's the only thing that kind of caught me off guard, like the, the the excitement of being able to perform for these coaches, uh, the atmosphere, uh, then just being pretty much you against everybody at that point in time because you're the only one that can decide. Uh, how things turn out. Do you remember who was in your group of linemen? Was there a guy that you're like, whoa, this guy, this guy's pretty good? No, at, at that point for me, I was I was locked in. It wasn't really in by anybody else. I was just focusing on what I needed to do, uh, the things that I worked on throughout the whole combine training process. 
Um, it was just, just kind of cool that like you were you're one of the top. I think what four, what five, what five hundred guys maybe. One of the Something top like five hundred yeah. guys in the, in the nation that get invited to one of the biggest job interviews out there. So it, it was a. I took it in from that standpoint. Where I just I, I'm like still a step closer to reaching my goal. Well, like you said, you're going there uh, with this NFLPA externship. Uh, kind of looking at the end of your career here. I mean, I know you've been in the league for 11 years. What are you looking at playing-wise? you still trying to, to latch on with the team next year? Uh, what is the, the situation right now? Yes, sir. I, I, I would love to play another another couple more years. Um, I had a great time with the Saints last year. I feel like we're very close uh, to being the team that we envisioned being. So I would love to go back to them, but I'm afraid in the turn current moment but uh we'll see what happens but i'm prepared and i'm ready to go uh my wife already signed off so they can do two more years <laughs> and then, you got to get then, that uh, approval you got to get that approval yeah, yeah first and foremost <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's been a great ride so far how hard is that to have that long of a career i mean i think the nfl average nfl career is like 2.6 years or something like that it's really low to, yeah. to be in it for yeah, 11 yeah. years like you have and, and wanting to, to push it along further uh, how pleased are you to be able to do that? How uh, I mean, do you kind of understand how rare it is that people have that long of a career? I do, and in, in football, uh, in the football world, I'm a I'm a dinosaur and I'm a unicorn. Because <laughs> you're right, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um, I've been I've been blessed and fortunate. First of all, I haven't had any uh, major injuries uh, that caused me a significant amount of time. I've been uh, blessed and fortunate to be in some, some good situations. You know, when I came into Seattle, I was on a vet-related team, and I was able to come in and learn from the vet and get valuable playing time. Uh, and it's kind of been that way at every team I've been at, you know. And then as my course of my career has transferred, um, probably about the Washington Redskins year, and that came, came more of a veteran leader, uh, not necessarily on the field, but it's in the locker room, and knowing that, you know, when called upon, I perform. So it's, it's been, a, been a cool process to see the whole career go uh, – full circle and like I said, I'm just ready to add to add to the chemistry and the mix of any team. Is that the key to a long career is being able to sort of adapt at, at a certain point and understand that uh, I can be a role uh, on this team and not necessarily having the mentality that I have to be the star of this team, just being able to fit in somehow? It is. Well, I mean, as an athlete, to, to stay in this league, you always have to have that, that mindset and mentality that you're a starter, you're uh, Hall of Famer and the whole nine. That's the mindset you have to have to stay in this league because it's so competitive. We we had the highest job turnover of any profession um, that's out there. You know, every year you have 320 guys, 320 guys roughly being drafted, uh, and it's only roughly 1,800 to 2,000 active jobs uh, playing football in this league. So it's it's a phenomenal change in, in the players and the people that bring in each and every year. So so you have to have that mindset that. Uh, you're better than everybody, and you have to put in the work to back that up each time you step on the field because you're always being evaluated. You said you've avoided any kind of major injuries during your career. I have to imagine there's all sorts of nagging things and small things that you've had. How much of a toll does playing 11 years in the NFL take? And, and I mean, what do you have to do to continue to be uh, in great shape to be playing uh, this far into your career? Now, you can definitely uh, feel some of the, the, the aches and pains a little bit, but I've le- I learned my rookie year from from a veteran, uh, Bobby Ingram, who's the coach with the one of the coaches with the Ravens now. Uh, he, he sat me and another uh, one of my rookie teammates down and said, "Look, young fella, I need to start taking care of your body today. I mean, that means taking care of uh, taking care of massages, chiropractic, you know, pedicures to take care of your feet, 
doing things to 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 better you than just being a, a great athlete. You need to be a student of the game, and that's something I I really took hold of, and I've been doing my very best each and every year uh, to do that. Not only in the season, uh, but in the all season for our studying film, looking at the things I need to be better, watching the top guys uh, each at my position um, to see how they they work things into their games and putting that into mind. So it's definitely a process that uh, guys have to understand. And uh, I just do my best each and every year to tell these guys the same information I've been given because I want all those guys to have long and productive careers. Well, this is a Virginia Tech podcast. I'm a, the VT beat writer, so I have to ask you about the Hokies a little bit. Uh, kind of looking back when you picked Virginia Tech, what, what was the biggest reason that you came here uh, coming out of high school? Uh, it was numerous. Um, at a time, I came out of a powerhouse called Deep Creek. Everybody knows Deep Creek. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> uh, had D'Angelo Hall who had, and James Anderson. D'Angelo Hall, James Anderson, and Chris Clifton, uh, who had committed the year before. Uh, so I knew that if I came to Virginia Tech that I would have guys I was familiar with, my first time really being uh, for a certain amount of time away from home. So I still could have a, that sense of home and that brotherhood with those guys. But for me, you know, I sat down with my two older brothers and I made a pros and cons list about everything I wanted from the college experience, from school to athletics to this way of life. Um, and Tech was the best school for me. And not to mention that, you no know, Coach Beamer and Coach Steinspring, my recruiting coach, um, they really just, just created an atmosphere. Uh, well, they didn't, they didn't create, they presented an atmosphere that was true to what it was when I got to school. So it was a awesome experience, like one of the best decisions of my life. You were sort of in that wave of 757 guys to come out to Tech. Uh, yes, it was sir. very fashionable at the time. I mean, uh, when you were growing up, was that always the case, or did that kind of develop around that time? It seemed like it kind of developed around, you know, Michael Vick and, and guys right before that going out here. It did. That's that's kind of when it all started. I mean, we that, that during that time we had like a, a hot bed really, really starting to produce a lot of guys. You know, Ron Curry, he went to uh, UNC. He was he actually my coach, my wife, he was coach for the Saints last year. So I was oh, really? <laughs> um, and then, you know, of course, you had Iverson that came out. He went to Georgia Tech. And then, you know, Mike went to, to uh, I mean, not Georgia Tech, but he went to Georgetown. And Mike went to Tech. And uh, a lot of guys just started following. And we we had played each other. You know, we had played all the best guys from Indian River and Great Bridge and Hampton and Warwick. And guys wanted to stay in state and represent our state. Uh, so it's really exciting to see, you know, Tech really getting back down to focusing on these guys and, and getting these top guys to stay in stay in town you know you've been you've been been watched and, and groomed by people virginia bound so these people that have seen you grow up through the, through the process they want to be able to come see you on saturdays in lane stadium so it's exciting to see these top guys stay in town uh and they represent the maroon and maroon and orange well you were at virginia tech when the transition from the big east to the acc uh, and I think a lot of people were maybe skeptical a little bit about the, the Hokies when they moved to the ACC. I mean, Miami was obviously the headliner, and it seemed like Virginia Tech was almost kind of thrown in at the last second. Uh, then you win the ACC that first year uh, that you're there in 2004. What was that like as a player? I mean, did you ever feel disrespected in that whole thing or out to prove something? What was that like for you? Of course, we definitely felt uh, disrespected not to prove something. The way they, they, they set it up was uh... – you know, Colston and Atlantic, but they the weird thing was, you know, they separated Miami and, and Florida State. They put them in two different uh two different brackets, uh, where they put us and UVA in the same bracket. 
I was like, well, that kind of – they tried to set it up so Miami and Florida State would play every year, but they didn't realize how much of a uh, – how much talent we had at Virginia Tech and how good coaching we had there as well. So we kind of spoiled their, <laughs> spoiled their program year in and year out. Uh, but it was, it was exciting to have that move to go from the beast. They see two totally different types of, of ball. Uh, no no disrespect to the biggies at that point in time, but it was better competition in the ACC on a, on a national uh, platform. So we just made the most of it. And I think that move really elevated a lot of our, our aspirations against the NFL for our players on the team at that point in time and in the in ACC. Well, here they are now 12 years into the title game, I think, and they still have never had a Florida State-Miami matchup <laughs> in any year, exactly. in over a decade <laughs> that, that they've had. Uh, what was your – is there a game or a moment that stands out for you the most during your college career? Uh, it was probably two of them. Uh, first one was probably my first year in the – actually three – First first year in the ACC, the USC game down in uh, FedEx Field. You know, we had played our tails off against the number one team in the nation at that point in time. They had uh, Matt Leonard and Reggie Bush and Lindell White and a lot of these guys that were like, went on to be, you know, proven stars through their college career and in the NFL. Um, and we played our tails off and just for the, the luck of the draw and calls here and there, um, we we lost that game. But that was a year that, that kind of jump-started our whole – ACC run, you know, where guys understood that we're good enough to play with anybody. Um, second, the, the game against NC State that same year, we lost that game uh, at home to NC State, and that's probably when I got the motion score for Coach Foster. Uh, he came to the defense and told us, he said, you did your job, we did everything we could do to put ourselves in position to win this game, and when you see that side of a coach, you know, you respect them more because it's not just about wins and losses. He cared about us and cared about what we're doing on the field regardless of the outcome. Uh, so that made us play even harder for him. And then uh, my last year, my last game at uh, Tech, which was um, the UNC game. I mean, I had a had a monster game in my last time occurring at Lane uh, Lane Stadium in West Wilson Field. So it, 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 I had like you know like two or three sacks, blocked the kick, you know, a bunch of quarterback hurries, and you know, that was just a special time because I know it was the last time I was going to play at home with my teammates. Uh, that I've grown up with, not just my teammates, my brothers that I've grown up with and get recruited with and played against each other in high school and the whole nine. So that was just a special moment, special time that I'll never forget. You mentioned Bud Foster, and obviously he's still here at Virginia Tech uh, for 30-plus years now. Uh, what was that like playing for him? I mean, it's, I have to imagine he was a pretty intense coach to play for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Awesome, awesome experience playing for Coach Foster. He had no problem ripping you <laughs> when you did did bad. He had no no problem praising you when you did good. Uh, the whole staff in general at that point in time they did a great job raising us to be outstanding young men, uh, letting us know that you know football is a is a is a vehicle, is a privilege to play and, uh, and do the right way at Tech. You're gonna play you all you're all out. And um, get everything you got for your teammate in the in the man lined up next to you. So I had a I had a great experience. Um, I'm so happy to have, have have had all those coaches and all those players in my time there. You have a good Bud Foster story. Can you give me a good one? I'm sure you have some good ones. Are there anyone that stands out? Uh, honestly, the one my favorite one is when from the, uh, the NC State game when we gave our all. We we played our tails off. It ended up being a defensive type battle. Um, I think we had we kicked like two or three, you know, 
like field goals. Um, I know they they were going off on their side. They had like ten sacks between Manny and Mario. So it was, it was a de- definitely decent battle that game, uh, from what I remember. And like I say, we can't be lost in the in the last part, but we were able to get the ball back to our offense um, in that last last quarter. And he just said we appreciate everything we did. He came up and told us as a group, I appreciate everything y'all did in this game to put us in a position to have a chance to win the game. Uh, and sometimes things don't always go your way, but you know it's just that is that is big of him to say at that point in time. Not as far as like having to wait till Monday or Tuesday to reflect on the game. Like he said it right in the heat of the moment, though. I, that's probably my best story that I remember about Coach Foster, other than getting cussed out <laughs> on, a, on a weekly basis because he wanted to perform to his, his level. <laughs> well, I usually try to finish these uh, podcasts with sort of a lightning round thing, just questions that couldn't really fit into any sort of uh, basket together. So these are just kind of some random ones. I'll throw at you real quick. Uh, what was the best team you've ever played in college? Played against, I should say. The best team? Uh, the, 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 probably Miami. Tail end of those Miami Probably, teams. Yeah, Miami. The Miami teams when we was in the uh, in the Big East, they were they were stacked. Both years. Who is the uh, best athlete to come out of Deep Creek High School? And you can choose uh, yourself I, on this one if you want. No, nah, I can't choose myself. It's a, that's a tough one. That's a toss up between D'Angelo and James Anderson. Uh, both of them superiorly <laughs> athletic. Um, and I, and I, I know everybody's trying to say they can they definitely understand that D'Angelo was extremely athletic. I mean, man ran a four a four one five at one of the Tech Pro days, uh, but James was just as good, um, just a different body type. So I probably go with D'Angelo one A and then James one B for our most athletic coming out of out of Deep Creek. Where do you where do you slot yourself on that list? Uh, I don't I don't know. I guess I guess I'm, I'm top five. <laughs> but I think more. I think more than anything that separated me is my my work ethic. Uh, that's something I de- you know, developed working with my my two older brothers, and they developed that to learn from my mom and dad. So I'm probably the hardest working guy to come out of out of Deep Creek. Um, but those two are definitely most athletic. I think D'Angelo Hall has played in 166 NFL games, and you've played in 162. Uh, who is going to finish with more NFL yeah. games by the time things are done? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm respectful to my elders, so I'm gonna give it to D'Angelo. <laughs> give it to D'Angelo. I don't want any problems. <laughs> you two are pretty close. I mean, you go way back, right? Yeah, we grew up. James, uh, D'Angelo, and myself, all from elementary school. What is the your favorite team that you've ever played for? Was there a season that sticks out in your mind that I just everything about that team I, I really just enjoyed? Huh. <sighs> Oh, ah, that's a toss-up. Honestly, let's see, let's see. That's a toss-up. So I, I'll say um, probably my first year in Seattle. Probably first – it's a toss-up to my first year in Seattle, first year in Detroit, and then last year with the Saints. And I'll tell you why. So Seattle, because the team – the other team they drafted me and gave me opportunity. They were just coming off a Super Bowl loss to the Steelers. So it was, it was veteran-laden and it was laced with so many talent. You know, Walter Jones. Sean Alexander, Matt Hasselbeck, Lofa, who's with Julian Pearson. Um, it was just so many guys on that team. So that team, our first in Detroit, the same thing. Oh, we made the first round, second round of playoffs in our uh, first year in Seattle, too. 
Uh, so we kind of broke that that curse that, you know, teams that go to the Super Bowl had a hangover and don't make it back to the playoffs. We can get it back after the second round. Uh, we probably should have won that, that second game against Green Bay, too, but I'm not going to discuss that. Next, the, second, <laughs> the second team, Detroit, my first year there. Uh, that was my first time being on a team that was, you know, honestly led by the defensive line. You know, the chemistry we had amongst those 10 guys in that room was unreal. Like, we still have a group chat going on to this day with Dominican Sue and Nick Fairley, uh, Jason Jones, um, George Johnson. Like, these are guys that, besides for Sue and Fred at a point in time, you know, were kind of castaways, and we really bonded together and did something major. And we, we ended up losing to the Cowboys on some sketchy calls <laughs> um, in the first round of playoffs a couple years ago. And then this year, you know, this year with Coach Payton, like this, this guy might be the most down to earth, intense guy. Like, you know what? He he reminds me of Coach Foster. He's just an intense guy, and he, and he he can make light heart of a lot of different situations. And he's probably the youngest coach I've played for, so he already already has that kind of energy that's just genuine. And he's in every aspect of the game, from special teams, offense, and defense. Um, so it was it was pretty cool. Even though, and even though we didn't have the results that we wanted, team like team record wise this year, I felt as though we we built something far as chemistry wise that's going to serve us well in the next season and the years ago because the talent there is so young and it's a it's a good little mixture of guys that are just getting over that hill and be considered veterans like Cameron Jordan and Nick Fairley who were you know year six or seven like so they're right in that hump and then you had a, a few old heads like myself and Zach Streis and, and Drew Brees <laughs> and McCown and the rest of these guys are kind of leading the ship so. It was just a pretty cool makeup last year. So that's why I say I wouldn't mind going back to the Saints because we, I think we built something that's going to really serve as well going forward. You mentioned your, your wife earlier and in Googling you uh, to do some research for this. It seems like both of, the, both of you are pretty elaborate planners uh, with things. I, I read about your whole <laughs> proposal uh, that you had to your wife, uh, which included uh, going through the Wendy's drive through at one point. Uh, then I also read about some murder mystery <laughs> that she set up for your birthday party uh, a couple years ago. Which was more elaborate, your proposal set up or the murder mystery birthday party that you had? Oh, I'm taking the credit for that one. I did it really good. <laughs> the proposal really set, set the bar for where we're going to go in a relationship. <laughs> but no, nah, it's, it's, it's been pretty cool uh, having somebody kind of the same thinking because she played softball on scholarship at Syracuse. And uh, come to find out, she would actually she actually had, uh, initially signed on to go to Tech. So it would have been at the same time, but some clearinghouse stuff fell through, and uh, she ended up going to Syracuse. So it's like I said, it's cool to be married to somebody with the same same kind of thought pattern, uh, even though we see things differently sometimes. But I got to take credit for the, the best planner. <laughs> there you go. I, I wanted to point this out. You know, researching you, you do all sorts of great stuff for the community. You look at uh, you stocking water during the Flint uh, water crisis in Michigan, uh, New Orleans last year. The, had a shopping spree at Target for survivors of domestic violence and, and sexual assault. How much do you enjoy doing that kind of stuff and sort of getting out in the community? And uh, it seems like that's uh, a very good way to kind of use your celebrity fame and get out there and do that kind of stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, that's the way I was raised. You know, to whom is give, whom much is given, much is required. And honestly, I, I can I can honestly say I'd probably be doing that stuff uh, probably a little bit smaller scale, but I'd still be doing that stuff if I wasn't in the NFL because that's the way I was raised from my mom and dad, and that was really reinforcing my two older brothers. Um, I, I enjoy doing it. I really do enjoy doing it. My wife enjoys doing it. 
Uh, we enjoy putting smiles on other people's faces. And we even have a, a family fund, a TAP family fund. That's a donor advised fund that our initiative is, is kid friendly. You know, anything dealing with kids, uh, we're all about. And uh, the Christmas thing for our shopping, that's something we've been doing every year since my second year uh, in the league in Seattle. I took over for a program with one of the, the departed vets at a point in time. He gave me the program. And that's something I've carried with me every year. So every year around the same time, we've been taking a bunch of kids. I've taken 50 kids. I've taken 100 kids. Uh, I've taken, you know, boys and girls clubs or organizations such as that, uh, similar to that. And then this year was our first year, you know, actually taking the moms uh, to shopping. And it's just been a great experience each and every year to see how how much it means to them. Like, you, you, you get a... You get into a certain way of thinking, and then you see people that are a little bit less fortunate, not in the same position, and you take things for granted. So it's a good way to put a smile on their face and also a uh, way to remind yourself to count your blessings and the opportunities you've been given because, uh, you know, everybody's a, a few steps away from needing some help. So you've got to continually help those and play it forward. Well, I think I've run out of questions here. I probably kept you long enough <laughs> on the phone here. I really appreciate you doing this uh, with us here, Daryl. Uh, thanks for coming on. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Daryl Tapp. Uh, second time we've kind of branched out with these interviews here on the podcast, something we might continue to try to do here in the spring when football is kind of down a little bit. But for Daryl, this is Andy Bitter. Thanks for listening.